think that would be a difficult question for all of us to answer. What one good thing does worry bring into our lives? Yet, worry is a human universal trait. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, we find something to worry about. So much so that I know a lot of folks that are like the person that said, if one more bad thing happens to me, it'll be at least three weeks before I can even begin to worry about it. Anybody ever found themselves in that place? I mean, there's so much there, you have to kind of schedule your worry out. So it only makes sense that Jesus Christ would deal with this issue because it is so common to all of us. And he does in what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount all summer long at both of our campuses here at Canton and at the Marietta campus. If you happen to have a Bible or a Bible app, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. We're going to be looking at verses 25 through 34 together this morning as we take a look at this issue of worry. Now, when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus Christ is doing with this sermon is he is bringing to us the quality and the character of the kingdom of God. That's what he's showing to us. But he's also showing us what the quality and the character of the life of those that live according and in the kingdom of God. And the reality is this. Every person, past, present, and future, is designed by God to live according to his kingdom. That's the life he made us to live. We forfeited that when we sinned against God and walked our own way. But Jesus Christ has come to restore that back to us. And here in Matthew 6, in Matthew's gospel, we see Jesus telling us about what this kingdom of God is and what it brings into our lives. And he deals with the issue of worry. Now, when he talks about worry here, he talks about it in the context of the daily necessities of life, food, shelter, clothing, and and the cares and the concerns and the worries that come with that. Because regardless of our marital status, our economic status, our gender, our age, every person has to deal with these basic necessities. And there's worry and there's concern and care that comes with that. So he kind of brings everybody in and he talks about this worry that affects everyone. And what I want to do first is I want to go all the way down to verse 34. I want to look at the last thing that Jesus Christ says about not worrying. We're going to jump back and look at verses 25 through 33 together here in just a moment. But I want to jump all the way down to verse 34 of chapter 6, and we see what Jesus Christ says, and he kind of sums up a little bit what he just talked about in worry. Here's what he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that last line, each day has enough trouble of its own. And here's what I hear Jesus Christ saying when he he talks about this do not worry. This first thing I would look at that Jesus Christ says, he says, basically, this side of heaven, there's always going to be something to worry about. That's in essence what I hear him saying. When I hear this line, each day has enough trouble of its own, a part of that uh, comforts me, but a part of that really bothers me. Because it's like Jesus is making a promise. It's like he's saying, look, get over it. Every day is going to be filled with trouble. Aren't you glad you came to hear that this morning? Every day is going to have trouble. And that's what he's saying. That's the promise he's making. Look, it's going to happen. And you know, I look at Twitter and I look at Facebook and I see a lot of people. They post and they tweet their favorite uh, 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 scripture promises. I've never seen one person post, each day has enough trouble of its own. Hallelujah. But it seems like Jesus is making that promise. And that kind of bothers me. Thanks a lot. Every day is going to have trouble. But on the flip side, what comforts me 
is that Jesus Christ gets it. He knows the world in which we live. And He is not trying to bring some fantasy land to us. He's not some disconnect to reality. He's saying, yes, I get it. This is a fallen world. And there's a whole lot of trouble and hardship. And there is a lot of stuff that can bring worry into your life. It's like he's really saying, I understand. I get what you're having to deal with. But it's almost like he's trying to create some boundaries for us. He says, look, since every day has its own trouble, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will deal with itself. When it becomes today, it'll have the trouble. So he's putting some boundaries. Just focus on today. And it's almost like he's saying to those of us in the room, and there are those of us in the room that worry about having nothing to worry about. Anybody in here kind of find themselves in that place? I worry about having nothing to worry about. It's like Jesus says, well, look, don't worry about not having anything to worry about because you will have something to worry about. And he understands that we live in this fallen world, man. And there's a lot of stuff that brings worry. I mean, we just, Pastor Jeremy just prayed about a lot of the things we deal with in this world. We have an airline passenger shot down by a missile. We have all this going on in Israel, in the Middle East. We have our own border issues in this nation alone. And we have to deal with still an economy that is very unstable. There's a lot to worry about. And this side of heaven... There's always going to be something to worry about. But here's the beautiful thing. Even though Jesus Christ doesn't say it right here directly, he says in a lot of other places, we're not always going to be this side of heaven. There is coming a day in time when heaven is going to fill this earth when Jesus Christ returns and sets up the fullness of his kingdom. And everything that is evil and wicked and everything that brings trouble into this world is going to be eradicated. And we're going to have nothing but righteousness and joy and peace in this earth. As Christ rules and reigns and every follower of Christ is going to be a part of it. There is a day coming when there's going to be nothing to worry about. Anybody looking forward to that day? Can we give God praise for that hope in this room right now? That day is coming. There's going to be nothing to worry about. So what do we do in the meantime? We're in this fallen world where there's a lot of stuff to worry about. And Jesus recognizes that. But then we have this hope that's yet to come. There's going to be nothing to worry about. So what what do we do in the meantime? And I think that's what Jesus is trying to address in this Sermon on the Mount. Because although, yes, the fullness of... Of the kingdom of God is yet to come. The fullness of all the benefit and blessing of the kingdom of God is yet to come when Jesus Christ returns. Jesus Christ right now, by the Holy Spirit, has brought enough of the kingdom of God and is revealing to us the kingdom of God. That although we live in a fallen world where there's a lot to worry about, we don't have to be overcome and overwhelmed and oppressed by that worry. We can actually be strengthened and encouraged and uplifted by the power and the presence of the kingdom of God. And that's the, that's the beautiful thing he's bringing to us here today. So when Jesus is addressing this thing of worry, he recognizes he's not, he's not disconnected from reality. He says, I know you got a lot to worry about what I want to help you deal with. Is I want to help you monitor your worry levels. When he says do not worry, he says this side of heaven, there's going to be something to worry about. What we need to deal with is monitor the worry levels in our lives. Well, what do we mean by this word worry to begin with? Well, here's what this word means uh, in, in, the, in the Greek, in essence, this word that he's using for worry. It means overly concerned. It means fearful. It means anxiety ridden. 
It's, it's often associated with insomnia. It, it's worry that has filled with fear and anxiety so much so that it can affect us physically. And we know that excessive worry in our lives can bring physical problems into our lives. It can cause sleepless nights. It can create tension headaches. It can create ulcers. It reduces our immune system. See, our bodies treat stress and anxiety and worry like an illness, like a, something is trying to infect us, and it goes into its, 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 its defense system. But what that does is it wears on the immune system, and it makes us more susceptible to sickness and illness. And I want you to understand something. It says overly concerned. See, there's some healthy worry that can be in our lives. I heard somebody describe the difference between uh, uh, what's healthy worry and unhealthy worry. And they, they referred to unhealthy worry as worry and then healthy worry as concern. And I heard them describe it that worry sees and frets about a problem, whereas concern takes action to solve the problem. There is, there is a healthy a concern in our lives that motivates us to productive ways of life. But Jesus is talking about this fear and this worry and anxiety that immobilizes us, that, that cripples us. It's, it's kind of like I heard somebody say that, that worry is like, a, is, is a, like a, a, a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't go anywhere. And that's kind of what this worry is, this fearful anxiety that kind of cripples and immobilizes us in our lives. And Jesus says, this is what you need to monitor. You need to take a look at how this worry is in your life. And then he begins to talk about some of the things that that we need to monitor that can create high worry levels. And that brings us to verse 25 of chapter 6. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, What you eat or drink or about your body, what you wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. He's beginning to talk about there's a higher purpose to living than just what we eat and what we wear. There's a higher thing in living than just the necessities around us. And he's going to talk about this in a moment. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. He's got these birds flying around. Let's take a look at the birds. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you much more valuable than they? And one of the first things I see when we begin to look at our our worry levels is I think when our worry starts to get high, if we really took a look, we're beginning to doubt, does God care for me? Is God really concerned about me? Or does God really love me to take care of me? Of the details of my life. Now, followers of Christ in the room, I don't think any of us would verbally say, unless we're just very, very stressed and distressed, that we would say God doesn't love us. I think we would say God loves us, but I think sometimes, deep down, when we're dealing with some excessive worry, we may be wondering, does he really care? Is he really concerned? Does the details really matter? And Jesus is sensing that in the crowd, so he says, hey, look at these birds, folks. The Heavenly Father made these birds. He loves these birds. These birds mean a lot to him. How many of you have ever seen a bird that is running around so worried and stressed out? Anybody seen a bird sitting on a branch with his head and his wings fretting and distressed? No, they fly and they're carefree because they know their maker is going to provide. And Jesus is saying, look, if the father who made these birds loved these birds enough, To provide what they need. Don't you think he'll do that for you? Because you're more valuable. You're the height of his creation. 
He loves you more than anything else. And I think we got to begin to look at when we find ourselves in real worry, are we doubting the care and the concern of God for us? Those of us that are in the room, both followers and non-followers of Christ, I think the place we've got to look to really know how much He loves us, we look at the cross. Going back to the cross to see, yeah, He provided the ultimate for me. For all eternity, the ultimate of what my life needed, He provided Himself. So if He's going to provide that and He's going to take care of birds, man, I know He cares enough about me. Man, when I can rest in the full assurance of the care and the love of God in my life, that begins to reduce worry level. But then Jesus goes on and points out to something else that might be affecting our worry levels. In verses 28 through 30, he says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. They don't get in a tizzy, is the idea there. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon was the third king of Israel. He was the son of David. He was the wisest and wealthiest of all the kings. And he had a fashion wardrobe man that wouldn't quit. He was a GQ type of king. He would put the red carpet to shame. He would make red carpet look like poverty's row. Kings and queens from all over the world would come just to see this man's wealth and see the wisest man in the world. And Jesus is saying the lilies are more beautiful than him. Verse 30, look at what he says. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Sometimes I've got to take up my worry level and it's a faith issue. It might be a does God really care for me issue. It might be a faith issue. It might be a combination of both. Do I trust God to provide for me? Do I trust God truthfully to really Meet my needs and supply to me what it is I I am looking for or or need in my life. I mean, God says right here. I mean, Jesus says right here. Look, look at the lilies. God loves the lilies. The Father made the lilies, and He made them to grow and look beautiful. And you know what? They're temporary. They burn up just like the rest of the grass. They are here today and gone tomorrow. But they're trusting their Maker. To make them what he made them to be. To provide them the means to be what they are. Beautiful lilies. And guess what he says. If if the lily can trust the maker to provide what they need to be a lily. We can trust him to provide and meet our needs. When I look at my worry. If it's getting excessive. I got to ask myself. Do I really trust that God is my provider? Do I really trust That he will give me what I need. Sometimes my worry is that does God love me and can I trust him? And then Jesus really addresses this trust issue and this worry issue in the next uh, uh, verse that he says in verse 31. He says this, so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Look what he says here. For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Pagans were godless people. Pagans were the word was the word that Matthew would use for Gentiles by, uh, primarily, and they were tr- they were godless people. They weren't really looking to God to do anything for them. They didn't know whether God cared about them or not. And really didn't care. They just were godless people that were driven just by everything of the culture, everything temporary. That's what drove them. They had no 
trust in God and they didn't know whether God loved them or not. And Jesus is saying to his people, he's saying, look, be careful. Your worry can get to a place that you're actually living as if you doubt God and his love and his provision. You can come to a place so consumed by fear and anxiety that it's as though you don't believe there is a God. You don't believe he cares if he does exist and that he will provide. Not that we would ever, as followers of Christ, utter those words. We would probably tell anybody, yes, I believe that, but the way we live and the emotions that we have and the fear that grips us says otherwise. And Jesus is saying, look, monitor your worry levels. Take a look. Are you living as though you really know he loves you? And are you living as though you really trust that he will provide and take care of your need? Man, if he takes care of the birds and he takes care of the lilies, he'll do that with us. And so then Jesus gets to the punchline of it all. He says, look, don't worry because this side of heaven, this side of heaven, there's always going to be something to worry about. So monitor your worry levels. And here's the way we can really begin to shift out of worry into really walking in the freedom that the Lord brings to us. And that's in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6. Where in essence, he's saying, shift your focus. You got to shift your focus. Here's what he says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Read that out loud with me, please. That verse. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I got to shift my focus. He says, I got to shift my priority focus. He says, seek first the priority focus. And he says, I got to shift my purpose focus. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's my purpose. That's my priority in life. You know what Jesus Christ is basically saying? He's saying, look. Clothing and feeding your physical body is important and significant. You know why it's important and significant? Because he made these bodies. He made these. And he wants to provide us what we need to take care of this. Absolutely he does. He says, and as significant and important as feeding and clothing your physical body is, it is not the most significant and it's not the most important thing. The most important thing and the most significant thing is clothing and feeding our spiritual body. This physical body is going to go to the ground from which it was created. I don't care how much you work out. I don't care how far you run in a given day, how far you walk. I don't care how much time you spend at the gym. That's wonderful. We want to be as healthy as possible. But I got good news for you. You're getting old. It's just, you know, we're just decaying. We're all decaying. You know, after prayer right here, I was speaking to one of our elders here at Canton. Shook hands and hugged. And he said, how's your dad doing? I said, he's doing pretty good. I said, you know, he's got some 82-year-old issues he's dealing with. He looked at me and says, yeah, I got some 52-year-old issues I'm dealing with. The more thing, the most important thing, the thing that's going to live forever is our spiritual person. Jesus is saying here, here is the place to live. The place to live is in the righteousness and the greatness of the kingdom of God, that followers of Christ, the place to really uh, uh, overcome worry is that I'm driven by the, 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 the eternal 
purposes and truths and principles and values of the kingdom of God and not by the temporary things of this culture. And that's the shift that's got to begin in my life for me to be more dependent upon what the kingdom is saying about who I am and what I am and what life is all about and less about what I'm dealing with here in the cultural world that's trying to tell us all kinds of different ways on how to live. He's saying, seek first this kingdom. In essence, you know, there was one time when Jesus Christ was walking through central Israel. He and his followers. It was around noontime. He was coming through a part of Israel called Samaria. And they were tired. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They sat, and Jesus sat down at a well. And the, uh, the disciples went into a little nearby village to find some food. In the meantime, a woman from Samaria came to draw water from the well. And Jesus and her began to struck up a conversation. Go to John chapter 4. It tells the story. And at the end of that conversation, that woman is believing that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And she turns and runs back to her village to tell them. Well, when she goes back to her village, the disciples show up with food. And they look around. They see Jesus isn't eating anything with the food that they brought. And they said, why aren't, aren't you hungry? He says, I've already eaten. And they're thinking, well, who brought you food? Where did you get food? Here's what Jesus Christ said. And I believe this is the deal about this whole idea of the kingdom and, and, and his righteousness mentality. John 4:34. Look what he says. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That my greater hunger beyond my physical hunger is the spiritual hunger that I want the will of God being manifest in and through my life. Isaiah, he talks about some clothing we need to get a hold of. Isaiah 61 verse 10, he says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he's clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me, arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. That I am clothed in the very righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And that what I want more than anything else, as much as I want the clothes around my physical body, I want my inner person that's manifested out into my physical life to reflect the righteous, holy, pure, God-loving character of Jesus Christ. That's the greater hunger and thirst and desire. Is it, man, what am I feeding and clothing my spiritual person with? Now, this doesn't mean that I don't take responsibility. It doesn't mean I don't work. It doesn't mean I go home now, quit my job and say, I'm just going to wait for God to provide. I'm just going to get out my Bible and I'm just going to read and pray and seek God and he's going to drop stuff down through my chimney and he's going to put stuff out of my... That's No, no, he made us. Just like he made birds to go and build nests and to find food and take care of their young, he, he designed them to be birds. And they are birds. But he, in being a bird, he provides them what they need. He made lilies to grow and look beautiful. They don't have to worry about anything else because he's going to take care of that. He made us... He made us to work. He made us to have jobs. He made us to have families. He made us to have, take care of our families. But he didn't make us to have the worry of all that to crush us. He made us that way. And by being that, if we will go and do what he calls us and has said for us to be and do, in that in my job, in taking care of my family, in being a husband, in being a wife, in being whatever I am in a given day through the daily course of life, that my greatest desire is for his will and his character to be made manifest in me and through me into my work, into my family. Man, that is the place of carefree life. 
He didn't design us to be consumed by the worry of our work or the consumed of the care of our families. He gave us the responsibilities of that. But he said, if you will let me be your father. Because what do we hear Jesus saying all through this, all through this message in this portion of, worship, of, of worry? What does he say? Look at the father. The father takes care of the birds. The father takes care of the lilies. The father knows what you have need of. The father knows. Look to the father. doesn't mean I get into a life of irresponsibility. I get into a life carrying out my responsibility. But according to the kingdom of God. Because you know what he said? All this other stuff we're worried about. It's thrown in with it. Seek first my kingdom. All these things that we're so eaten up with worry about. He will provide. You know it's like the. It's like the story I heard about of the. The, the daughter who was bringing her fiancé home for the first time to meet her parents. And the mother said to the dad, when they get here, you get that boy alone and you talk with him and find out about this boy. So the daughter and her fiancé show up and the dad gets him off, gets the fiancé off after dinner and they're by themselves. And the father looks at the, 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 the fiancé and says, young man, what are your plans? He said, I'm going to be a Bible scholar. Dad said, that's, that's admirable. Well, how do you plan to buy a home for, for you and my daughter and, and take care of it? He said, well, I'm really going to study hard and trust God to provide. He said, okay, how do, you, how do you plan on buying a ring for my daughter that she deserves? He said, well, I'm really going to dedicate myself to my studies and trust God to provide. Dad said, okay, what about children? How do you, how do you plan to provide for your children. He said. Just really going to trust God to provide. It's like every question. The dad asked the fiance. He said. I'm going to trust God to provide. Conversation was over. The fiance and the daughter left. The mother rushed in to the father and said. What did you find out? The dad just stood there shaking his head. And said the boy. He's got no job. He's got no plan. And he thinks I'm God. See, worry is a lot of the result of us trying to play God in our lives. It's a lot of, I don't think the Father's going to come through. And I'm not sure I can really trust Him. So I've got to take over. Jesus Christ says no. You were never made to be God. You were made to be my child. And trust me. And this shift of my focus to this higher priority, this higher purpose that he made me for. The shift out of the burden of of the culture to the blessing of the kingdom, out of the pressure of the world around me into the the purposes and the principles and the power of the kingdom. That's the place where I'm able to monitor my worry levels. That's the place I'm able to really 
find the peace and the assurance and the rest. Coming into a worship service. Coming into a worship service on Sunday is a place of shift. It's a place where I'm coming out of the culture that I'm in every day. And I'm coming together and I'm, I'm, I'm helping to make that shift in my mind and my heart. That my, my dependency is not on the stuff out here. My dependency is on Him. I'm telling you, we begin to sing that song just a moment ago about the faithfulness of God. And that I can trust Him. There was a shift that happened to me. Did anybody ever else have a shift in that moment? There was a shift that happened. That's, that's, the, that's the seeking of the kingdom. And that's why Jesus says, you're going to have trouble every day. So every day there has to be the shift. There's a shift that I have to live in. And I think one of the great ways that we shift is prayer. I know Pastor Jeremy talked about prayer last week. We talked about it at, camp, at, at the Meredith campus as well. Prayer is, I think, a great place where we're able to make that kind of shift. Martin Luther, who um, led the Protestant Reformation back in the 1600s, he said this thing. I I love this. Here's what he said. Pray and let God worry. Say that with me. Pray and let God worry. Look at your neighbor and say it. Pray and let God worry. Now that just automatically creates a shift. Let him worry. And Jesus Christ, the whole time, as I said a moment ago, where he is talking about this idea of worry, he keeps shifting us to the Father. Look to the Father. Look to the Father. He knows. Look to the Father. Look to the Father. Listen. Prayer is a way we look to the Father. His word is a way by which we hear the Father speak to us. And I've just got to be gut level honest. I know in my own life, when the prayer life has slipped away and spending time in His Word has slipped away, I find myself in greater stress and anxiety and worry. Because I haven't listened to my Father. I've listened to what everybody else in the culture is saying about things. But I haven't listened to my father. And as I was pondering this, I just started thinking about some of the worrisome stuff in my own life. And then I began to just go to listen to the father. I just began to find some scriptures that I might speak to this, these issues that, that, that I worry about. I'm going to invite the band to come up. They would, please, as we, as we close out. I, I trust this has made some sense this morning. But I, I, as I share with you kind of Worries that I have. These aren't, all, these aren't all the worries I have. We don't, we don't have time enough for me to share all the worries that I have. But, but some of the worries I have, maybe they'll touch you and, and maybe some of the worries you have that I don't have. I will encourage you, go to the Word of God. Spend some time. Let, let the Father speak to you. But here's what I would offer. When we're worried about lack, Hebrews 13, listen to your Heavenly Father. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Can you say that line with me? The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? When worried about lack, when when worried about decisions I have to make, listen to your heavenly father. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye 
on you. Aren't you glad to know that God's going to help us walk through decisions? When worried about aging, and I'm 55, and I know that I'm not over the hill, but I'm getting there. And there's just stuff happening to me now that I've never had to deal with physically. And the first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven is I'm slapping Adam. That's the first thing I'm doing. I'm just going to slap him. Of course, that would probably keep me out of heaven, so I better, I better not do that anyway. When worried about aging, listen to what Isaiah 46.4. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Can anybody say amen to that at all? What an amazing, listen to your heavenly father. When worried about dying. You know, I preach a lot of funerals. I've seen a lot of death. Close to 30 years of ministry. I have, I can't tell you the number of funerals I've preached. And recently, you know what I've been finding? I've been preaching funerals for 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds. Death can come. When worried about dying, listen to your heavenly Father. For none of us lives to ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, say it with me. We belong to the Lord. Do you believe that today? Listen to your heavenly Father. So what he says when we're worried about not having what it takes, Paul helps us out. Read this out loud with me. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So many of us worry about not having what it takes. When we're worried about being overwhelmed, man, we're just not going to be able to handle it. Listen to what Paul writes about our Heavenly Father. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Say He's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And then what if you're just worried and you have no idea what you're worried about? You've got so much worry, you can't even identify it. Listen to your heavenly Father. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Is anybody getting a shift here this morning? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to heap any guilt. And folks, we just got to ask ourselves the question. Who are we listening to the most? The one who made us and has given us life in Christ, provided us the Holy Spirit, So we can walk through a troublesome world where there's a lot to worry about. But we can walk in victory and hope and peace and not be consumed by worry. Is this who we're listening to? Are we listening to every talking head that comes on a television set? We were made to hear him. Living in that place of shift. I know last week, we did the same thing at the Marietta campus. We talked about prayer. I know Pastor Jeremy gave you an opportunity to kind of pray on your own. We did it at Marietta as well. 
this morning in our closing, I want us to pray one with the other. Because let's just be real. If everybody got just gut level honest in here, we got something we're worried about. We do. We wouldn't be human if we weren't. Jesus has already acknowledged that. This is a place where we share that together. This is a place where we can bear one another's burdens. Is it not? Is this not a place we can bear one another's burdens? I know this may feel awkward. And I know you may think, man, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. In just a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to stand and just find one other person, two other people. It can be a family member. It doesn't have to be anybody you don't know. It doesn't have to be anybody you like. You can, If you don't like the person next to you, go find somebody you like and, and pray with them. It doesn't matter. I don't, it's not the point. You know, I can. I know it can be awkward. You think, man, I, I don't really have to pray with anybody. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a professional pastor. I pray with a lot of folks. I stood one day at the Marietta campus. My wife and I were walking through the lobby area there. It was just a... It wasn't even a Sunday. I think it was a, 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 a Tuesday evening or whatever. And we're walking through there, and a couple of ladies grabbed us and said, we're going to go minister to so-and-so. And I knew a little bit of the story, and, and she's called us, and she's very distraught. But we think this is an opportunity to really go minister to her. And they're laying all this on me. And, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't really paying attention. I was really hoping my wife was engaged and really listening to what they were saying. I was just kind of looking and out somewhere else. I, I'm just, it's just pastoral confession, okay? I'm just telling you. And then they look at me and say, Pastor, will you, let's, let's pray right now, Pastor. Will you pay, pray for us as we go minister to her? Absolutely. We grab hands and I pray the best pastoral prayer I know how to pray, brother. I was praying for God to bless Mary and God to open up Mary's eyes to him and God to do this to Mary and this for me. I mean, it was an amazing prayer. When I said amen, they were all looking at me kind of like with this cockeyed look. I didn't know what. We go get in the car and Udella says, Mark, who are you praying for? I said, I was praying for Mary. She said, her name's Renee. I said, well, two things. One, God knew who I was praying for. And two, somewhere there's a Mary that's just really gotten blessed. I can tell you that. Here's my point. I'm a professional and I don't know how to pray all that well. If you know God... If you believe for any amount of, just any smidgen of him is here right now. You can take a hand of a person and just say, God, help them. I pray for them. You can do that. And we can do that with one another. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And if you, and if you don't participate, that, that's no sign of your spirituality. So don't be forced to do this, okay? But just right there, one or two other people, just simply, and you don't have to give the, don't, don't give the whole War and Peace version, just a quick Reader's Digest version. If you want to hear the whole thing, take them to lunch and hear the whole thing. But just say, I, I need prayer for my family. I need prayer. Somebody's sick. I need prayer. I'm worried about this. And man, y'all just join hands and y'all just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we, as we take a moment together to bear one another's burdens together, to go into the shift together, to look to your kingdom together. I pray your Holy Spirit just drops on every prayer group right now as we're believing for the needs of one another. Speak into these groups, God. May there be a total shift in this room from that which weighs us down with worry to that which will lift us up with your wonderful kingdom and power and presence in Jesus' name. Find a couple of people and let's just pray one for the other.